Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California, Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatry fellow at UCR, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Dr. Parks. Third year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Diem Nguyen. Hi, Diem. Parks. And second year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hello, Dr. Parks. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about, and this is a shelter-in-place episode, so we're all recording from home, so if one of us sounds a little odd or weird or off, it's because we're recording from home on, on microphones and then it's being mixed later. Um, but we're going to talk about today about medical students. Why? Because um, we, we, we feel just, you know, what, what kind of things can we offer? What kind of insights can we offer? And um, you three have gone through med school and become doctors. And um, just want to give a little bit of insight and why you are all stressed. The suicide rate is um, much higher with um, doctors. Um, they're putting, in this, in this age of COVID-19, they're throwing medical students right into the fire, rushing them into, um, uh, you know, helping out in some way. Um, they're they're uh, making people doctors sooner than they norm would have normally if the, the, the regular process was, was ongoing. Um, so they're not prepared. They're going to experience more stress at a very difficult time. So let's talk about stress for med students. Um, uh, you know, I also want to point out, first of all, yes, that um, I don't think I told you guys, but this was a listener uh, suggestion. Oh, one great. Of the, one of the UCR students um, who listens suggested this topic. Good. I feel like this this is going to be like your episode, y'all's episode. And I almost feel it's like one of those things that you're going to enjoy talking about. <laughs> I mean, more so than more so than normal because this is you've all lived it and you have a little bit of perspective because you you know, you're doctors already. So, uh, but uh, okay, I think one thing is good to know is like, when what are the most stressful times in a medical student's life? Like, like chronologically, uh, <laughs> DM, do you want every, that? Every day. Every yeah. day. No, there's actually been studies. Your peak level oh. of happiness is the first day of medical school. Then it drops <laughs> dramatically like a cliff every single day after that and then it goes up halfway almost on the, your last day of medical school and drops immediately after wow. starting wow. your first day of residency <laughs> so oh, it, i don't know if there's good news ahead and that, that did that track with you too did, did you think that that's how it was um so yes i think i think it was how it was you start medical school you know you're very enthusiastic you're very proud you can feel, you know, expectations. You think, you know, getting into medical school is you've done it. You've worked so hard for it. You've reached like the top 10%. It's really hard to get into medical school. Um, and then you realize everyone around you is smart, like really smart. Um, some have MBAs, they're like all good looking and you're just like, what, where I, what just happened here? Or some of them are even just better humans because they've volunteered in Ghana and the Peace Corps or whatever. 
Yeah. Amazing credentials. No, it's crazy. No, I, th- I feel like um, you all are like you're almost like superhuman. And so that, that what that happens is that gets in our minds and then we start expecting more and more from you. And now you're trapped. <laughs> it's a cycle. It is. Think, it's a vicious you know, cycle. I think for me, um, I was really nervous going into medical school. And then the stress got worse in medical school, obviously, especially around test time. Um, and then once I decided on psychiatry, my stress really decreased a lot. I think that's unique for people going into psychiatry just because psychiatry is um, one of those less intense work like less work heavy specialties. Oh boy. Okay. I mean, one of the things I say to applicants looking at our program is that when I came to the UCR psychiatry residency program, um, I pretty quickly felt like I was living and attending lifestyle. Like what, what we mentioned before in the last episode, um, about not having weekend call, not having call during the weekdays that is a very unique situation say okay explain explain what that is explain what that means okay so most residency programs regardless of what specialty it is are going to have residents on call meaning that they are working overtime basically Um, and that also implies more autonomy meaning that there's less supervision on call Um, so they're uh you know, they're tired because they're coming off their regular work day and then they are uh, receiving less guidance from their superiors. So um, it's uh, mentally and physically taxing. Uh, and we luckily don't have that. Yeah, you can be expected to cover one to three hospitals when you're on call. So, so nurses from different hospitals can call you about like patients that you know they're asking for orders you don't know any of these patients it can be like it, it's just a mess i am wow. eternally grateful that i made the decision to rank this program number one because look look listeners like there is a reason why there are two to four hosts who are residents coming in regularly to record these episodes you know what i mean it's because we're at ucr no, so that's yeah, a good point. I'm 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 particularly uh, blessed. My fiance's still in the hospital, <laughs> so he's not going to record with us. Yeah, your fiance is another doctor, and he's uh, what 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 is his specialty? What is his? Um, he's home critical care, so he's actually pulmonary in the ICU. Pulmonology. Okay, ICU. Oh, so yeah, he's he's definitely right in the thick of the COVID nineteen crisis. Right. Oh wow. What can I ask? Just a side note that has nothing to do with our show. Did what is his thoughts about um, using the ventilators? Because there's a lot of studies about how there, there's almost like an 88 percent death kill rate on, with using Again, those. Again, I think it goes along with nobody. We're all playing this as we go along. We're figuring things out as we go along, and the data and the protocol changes every day. It, it's insane. We nobody proned a couple of weeks ago. Like proning was like something maybe you didn't. Okay, I, I to explain proning. I have no idea what proning is. I'm just a psychologist. <laughs> proning is when you lay a patient on their front, so that forces it's uncomfortable, but it forces them to use their lungs more. Um, yeah. So it's like you lay them down on their front. Sometimes they're elevated, or like on their stomach. 
Yeah, I see, and I see. it it forces them to use their lungs, but it's also really risky, especially if they're intubated because they have all these lines moving around. So they can also decompensate when you prone them because wow. you're actively moving them. Um, and so this was never done like two, three months ago. And suddenly it, there's some like little data that shows that it's been helpful for patients to recover. Really? So now everybody has started proning. And wow. it's really scary because I've heard cases where like Rob has his patients decompensate the minute they're prone. Oh, and then he, like he's had patients die immediately mm. after they're prone. Oh but, my gosh. Okay. So now you, you are just giving me the amount of stress that I need oh, to God. understand <laughs> your fiance stress. It's good. Good. This is what yes. I want from the show. Yes. This is helpful. This is wow. helpful. Yes. Okay. Part of the stress of medical stu students too. Like we're told relatively early that the what we're learning and we're saving lives, that we're making life and death decisions. And that's a really heavy burden. Um, and it's so full disclosure. I've had, I had, it's, I've never really said this to anybody but I had my first passive suicidal thought when I was in medical school. Wow. It was my first year of medical school. And it w I lasted like maybe, I don't know, a few minutes. And I wasn't actively aware of it. I mean, I mean, I, I was like, I was aware of it, but it was the first time I like, was like, whoa, what's going on right now? Yeah, you never dreamed that you would ever think that. Right. I did I did check the, the, the research on that. It's one in 10, one in 10 med students think about suicides. Wow, yeah. This is very common, though. Very common. I, I, I mean, don't passive, thank passive you for suicidal sharing. ideation is probably passive, more common right. than active suicidal Like morbid, ideation. morbid thinking, right, right. Escapism, morbid thinking. It came right. out of nowhere, and it shocked me. It really, I think it, like, jarred me. And I God, called yeah. my parents crying. And wow. I called, like, and I think then I went and talked to a couple of other people, and that helped. And it went away. But it, and. I think it's part of that like imposter syndrome. It's part of those that like expectation because it felt like, oh my God, I didn't do well on this test. Now, like I'm going to kill my next patient. Your your thought process like mm -hmm. dumped from like zero to a hundred so quickly. I mean, I know a psych resident who has passive SI. And, you know, mm -hmm. I want to specify for listeners, passive suicidal ideation is different from active suicidal ideation in a big way. And that passive is thoughts such as things would be better if I weren't around. Things would be better if I woke up dead tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Active suicidal ideation is more like um, I, I th I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Thoughts of how you're going to do it. Right. Um, it's it's not um i wish something happened to me so that i would die it's i wish i could do something to end up dead yeah the instrumentality and, is you doing it and, and this is very common like i was saying i i've been doing some mental health panels with some of the students actually and it's really actually uh, encouraging to see how people are opening up about these things sharing their experiences ranging from just anything with anxiety depression su passive suicidal ideas and even more so the fact that this generation is starting speaking up about you know how the health system starting from pre-med medical school residency and all the things are you know are are too much you know for people we're not superhumans right 
Right, right. And I mean, Edgar, I wonder if you could say a little bit about just um, locally in our own school of medicine here at University of California, Riverside, about, you know, what's going on? What what stress are they identifying? What are they trying to do? Because, yeah, from the counseling and psychological services and I and another colleague are part of the liaison team that is also going to try to, uh, to help uh, medical school students. Okay, so this is the one I've been doing. It's just like a, I, um, kind of coordinating a medical student panel for mental health. What I do a brief presentation of the, you know, the mental health statistics in medical school to, you know, start the conversation. And then we have panelists from the same medical students who talk about their experiences. So it, it's kind of like a uh, just this panels of awareness. What I've been doing to try to help and create that awareness and reduce the stigma because. You already have the stigma just in society about mental illness, but we as doctors, as future doctors, we can't really talk about that, especially yeah, you, in previous generations, you know, of doctors or medical students. So when yeah, did this mental health panel start? I think this is the second year that, that I've done it, so maybe okay. at least last year, 2019. That's good. I mean, UCR, the, the medical school, is new like how many what five six years old 2013 fully open it used to be the program with ucla for many years and it became its own four-year medical school in 2013 so that's great i think that's one of the 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 ways that ucr is pioneering you know honestly speaking to again like how blessed we are here at this program a lot of it has to do with the fact that it was created in the current time of the 21st century do you know what i mean like it could start new traditions a new culture and it did um Mm -hmm. hopefully this is the way that other residencies will uh start to act um and and even in you know i wanted one one of the things i wanted to talk about is um the way that the UCR, the UC Riverside School of Medicine assesses their medical school applicants. Um, I've been on the committee, the application committee at, uh, the admissions committee, I'm sorry, at my medical school Creighton, and I've been on the admissions committee here in our residency um, for both the adult program, the adult psych residency, and the fellowship the child fellowship and um ucr is doing something very special where they're looking at something that they refer to as distance traveled have you guys have i know edgar has heard of it because he's on the diversity advisory committee with me but have Mm -hmm. you guys heard about that nope so distance traveled is things like uh working a job during college to help pay the bills or being raised in a family who's primary language wasn't English or being the first uh, person in the family to go to college or to go into medicine. That's, those are examples of distance traveled. And um, when, so that gets them added points to get in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, they are really doing a holistic application process, um, which I think is, is great. I think that uh, that is, why the uh, student body at the School of Medicine is so diverse. And um, thankfully, our psychiatry residency program has started to implement this uh, perspective as well. Great. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR, and we're talking about the stress of medical students. A lot of um, 
medical students have been rushed into becoming a doctor and helping with COVID-19. It's causing an unbelievable amount of stress. But there was already stress to begin with, as I am finding out. I I knew, but I'm finding out much more detail from um, our three doctors here. And so let's talk talk a little bit more about, um, we kind of started this, but I kind of want to continue about at what points is the most stress? And you can also share, like for you personally, what was the most intense period of stress? Like what caused it? Is there some sort of regular process or path where uh, doc, uh, where medical students typically feel the, an intense amount of stress, and that's when you're going to find the anxiety conditions, the depression, um, uh, wanting to get help, but uh, like I like we talked about before, but not feeling like they can because of stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, who wants to take that one? I can do. Okay. So, so I think you know if you think about it, four years of medical school, and then that's just preparation to getting through residency, which takes anywhere from three to ten years or more. Um, and you have to make sure you make it because if you don't, then you're already stuck with uh, an average of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. A quarter of a million. Your if residency. you don't get, if you don't get a residency. Yeah, and residency just means like you're gonna uh, do your special the specialty of your choice because without without that you can't really do anything with med school. Um, Unless, because you want to have a license, basically. So for me, uh, knowing this, yes, day one, I agree with everybody, probably the happiest. And then you'll be all there. It's okay, ups and downs. But then for me, it was probably a step one. Step one is the the, med- the first. What is, the what is first step one? License. It's when, the first, when do you do step one? Like what year? Or you do it at the end of uh, you do it at the end of your year two, or the, uh, okay. your medical school year two. And it's the first out of three licensing examinations you have to put everyone you know in a sequence to be able to apply for your license you take one at the end of second year you t- can take the second one at the end of third year or somewhere in early fourth year and then you take the third one either before your residency or in residency so for me maybe because english is a second language i'm not used to this you know um, system it, it, it took way longer to prepare and to be able to pass that test and just uh, full disclosure, like DM said, I went into medical school wanting to become a surgeon, like either plastic surgeon, neurosurgery. But then after, after going through, you know, the difficulty of medical school, and then things got better after step one in year three when you're in your clinicals, meaning in the hospital clinics. But after going through that difficulty, and wait, after D- DM to such an extent that it determines your residence, your specialty. If you right. don't well in a certain, you don't get a certain number, you're kind of shut out of certain specialties. Yeah. It's okay. So your there, score, basically. your score on this, on these uh, series, these three series, this series of three tests, it will determine your specialty, basically. Right. It's like okay. a filter. They, people said not really, but it does really. Pe- it residency works like programs that. look at that, right? Can I so, ask but, a little question here, though? Let's say that you don't get matched. Can't you just go outside to some country and then, uh, like, just go to a residency in some other country or something? I don't know. I don't think I so. Just, <laughs> I'm thinking. Like, what, I'm just, how are you going to pay your debt? And if you want to work in California. Okay. Yeah. Just, just want to throw that debt? out there, just in case people were thinking that. The IRS is going to be after you if you don't pay your debt. <laughs> you got out of the country. I'm kidding. But but no, for me, it was that. And yes, I could have chosen still to go to surgery, but I just didn't like to live in the hospital 24-7. So I started thinking about me and what I would like and choosing more something that I still enjoy can help people, but also, you know, be able to enjoy it and not live in the hospital. So the surgery was out of the table. And then I found psychiatry because UCR actually 
has a really good exposure. It was one of the first, probably more established residency training programs through UC Riverside. And I like that. And I like that you in psychiatry you can do many settings, clinic, hospital, uh, consults, many other things, right? So I, I chose f- for me too, you know, if I'm going to be able to help people, I also have to be okay with my well-being, right? Um, so so that's, that's what I, I feel that's what for me was medical school and I'm enjoying way more residency that I did with medical school. In fact, I think I hear like step one and I just get like traumatized. Mm. If you think about that, think yeah. about that time. About how yes. certain specialties make us more, change our personalities almost. Certain specialties make us more irritable, more, more angry. <laughs> um, well, what, what, what specialty are you talking about, DM? I, let let me say my story so i have a friend who's in anesthesia and her fiance at the time uh wanted to go into surgery but while he was a medical student doing his surgery rotation he was so grumpy she said no she put oh my. the yeah she's she put her foot down and said you're not doing surgery and so then he went into anesthesia and luckily thankfully he's happy in anesthesia but uh it it can change people because it's so intense, the training is so intense, and it's the so environment intense. is so, I mean, okay. that, the surgery culture, if you think of, like, the culture of medicine, the surgery culture is, like, ten times that. Boy. So, then do you feel like um, that that right there is self-selecting because people choose to do that? So Definitely, yeah. You have, there's something going on psychologically that either prepares you or that you just want to be in that environment and do that. And so do you feel like um, you can, you, there is a substantive difference between surgeons, like personality-wise, and other specialties? Yes. That you're Definitely. willing to go on the record? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> There's nice surgeons out there, I'm sure. I'm just kidding. Have you observed anything, Dr. Parks? Uh, okay. No, but I have heard that, yes. I've heard I that because surgeons say... are like the all-pro, but, but there could be a little bit of a... Um, there's, there could be ego issues there, possibly. After, after being at Creighton and then coming to UCR and getting to know some of the UCR medical students, um, from you know Creighton's in the Midwest, UCR's in Southern California, so this is a pretty good sample. I feel like it's only two campuses, but it's still it's uh, you know uh, around the country. It's not just like in Southern California. Anyways, the point is, um, what you hear in on rotations for surgery. I'm not going to specify which campuses, but it's not it's not surprising to hear of a surgery attending yelling at a medical student um, to the point where the medical student cries, even hitting a medical student in the face. That is not surprising to hear about. And and um, I mean, the, the physical aggression is less common, but I mean, if you were to t- say, um, hey, I have, I have this medical student who got hit in the face by his attending, then uh, you'd probably hear back from a doctor, oh, was it surgery? <laughs> right? I mean, is that? Yeah. What no, do you guys that's think? accurate oh, to say. I, I hear many stories. Right. Like during their surgery rotation. I this is, no, no, no. Like, this is crying. <laughs> yes, exactly. In the OR, standing mm-hmm. right next to the surgeon, he's oh, making no. you cry. Oh, no. 
No, that sounds yeah, I, terrible. Pretty normal. And then the, the scrub techs too. are there, just watching it all happen. You know, like what the, what can they say? Right. It's it's so shame. It's so it's so embarrassing. It's just like public shaming. Yeah. How are you going to challenge a surgeon who is the top people person that are similar stories? I hear the same way. Actually, attending surgeons throwing you know some of the whatever they use in surgery to either students or the people. Wow. But yeah, that's at, at the same time, there are so many surgery residents and attendings who are out there treating medical students. Right. Great. Just want to put mm-hmm. that out there. No, I feel like um, in general, <laughs> like doctors, like, like they're, they're some of the best. My brother's a surgeon. My dad's a surgeon. Your brother's so. a surgeon. Your dad's a surgeon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And and you know what they people do come up to me saying how great of a teacher my dad is, um, how everyone wants to work with him, everyone in training wants to work with him, because he is such a mentoring type of person. Um, and my brother try I've talked to him about it. He tries really hard to provide a really good education for the medical students who come on his service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never met your dad, but he's a great guy. I already know he's a great guy. Yeah, because <laughs> what one you fan. tell. Yeah, he's our number one right. fan. That's also a little part of it. No, <laughs> no, I feel like doctors like um, they can uh, they they can be almost like superior human beings. Like like they're really good, really productive, really intense, concentrated, smart. You know, funny, and so, but then every once in a while, there's like, ooh, what kind of personality does this person have? This is yeah. kind of scary. I mean, yes. who who wants to go into a field where they are in direct control over whether someone lives or not, right? That has to take a certain type of narcissism. It has to take a certain type of ego to be able to say, I will save your life because I am that good at what I do. Right. Right. I always thought that about president, people that want to be president too. Like who? Th- who is like arrogant enough to think that they right. should be the, the the leader of the the free world? Basically, yeah. No one Whoa. wants to go. No one wants to go under the knife with a surgeon who's like, yeah, I think I can help you. I think I got this. <laughs> oh, it's that stereotype too, right? Of the got complex, right? Whether it's <laughs> yeah. surgeon, doctor. Yeah, well, but we're overgeneralizing. Yeah, we are. Yeah, which is for definitely. fun. Yeah, we're just we're just giving you our just our off the cuff uh, um, kind of jokes about it, but our real our true thoughts is that there's a lot of very high quality folks in surgery. We're just just maybe there's a, a few out there that um, have made have made it's been challenging for the surgery for for surgeons sometimes. Yeah, given, they, given they these get other folks, stereotyped just they do. like psychiatry gets they stereotyped. Get, right, right. We what feel are you, the stereotypes? We feel you, surgeons. Yeah, I mean, um, do, do you do you get like is there a status? A low status uh, position that you have to deal with it. Have you felt that at all? Being a psych, are you, being, you know, be, being are a psychiatrist. You <laughs> all the time. Are you kidding? All the time. I like psychiatrists. I I, I get along with. Well, yeah, I have lots of friends there. Like therapy. Yeah, I really get that low status thing. I they never for whatever reason. I feel I never feel mistreated by a psychiatrist. I I know that that is a That's stereotype sweet. though. I know, but I but I my hunt my unfortunate hunch is that. Is it because I'm a psychologist, and a lot most of my colleagues, as I've, I've where I've worked, have been master's level folks, and I feel like that the fact that I'm a psychologist made some sort of difference. Did my wrong? But, and thinking but that? isn't isn't on the opposite side devil's advocate here that psychologists don't like psychiatrists because they all we do is prescribe medications. Right. See, I'd never thought that. Whatever. I've never 
thought that. <laughs> I, I hear that side too. Okay, but well, that's yeah. not the same thing as saying I have, I've, I have worked with terrible psychiatrists before. That's not the same thing. But just in general, as a profession, they, they all seem to, I all seem to get along with them well. I've never, but yes, I have worked with just terrible, because one that was investigated by Medi-Cal and thank God they found him and they, mm-hmm. they find him because he was ridiculous. Yeah. But but yeah no I've I've had no, there those. are there are terrible psychiatrists I I want to clarify that there are terrible psychiatrists out there. Yeah, but you you felt it already. You felt some of the the low statusy things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, in the uh, in the world of medicine, psychiatry is typically seen as one part of it is that we have been traditionally the easiest. I'm using you know, hand quotations, easiest specialty to get into. So that alone puts our status at like zero. Yeah, that's a, that, know, at least harder, that's the rep. The harder yeah. the specialty is to get into, the more admired you are. I just Okay, yeah, just side note status. before we get into um, final questions, but what is the second most high status position as a doctor? If surgeon is high, highest, what, what is the Neurosurgeon second? Neurosurgeon is really high. Probably. Dermatologist Neurosurgeon. is really high. Dermatologist? Plastic surgeon. Plastic, oh, plastic surgery. I think you get yeah. a lot of respect. They're really smart. Who? Especially now. Infectious well, diseases. Oh, infectious diseases. Yeah. But they, but they aren't stereotypically seen as like the most admired. Special. You're just saying they should get more respect. Oh, okay. They should. But before, before we go, I just want to ask you, like, what do you feel should be done? Like, what, like, what do you personally would have helped you as a medical student with your mental health? What, what do, and what should be done in general? Who wants to take that? I think a lot of interventions that I've seen go down have been mostly lip service and haven't been that helpful. Um, I don't, I don't have any advice though. I'm no advice. Other Next. than, other Next. than what, what is happening on the show, the fact that you guys are self-disclosing is really cool. I like that. I think that that uh, peer-to-peer support like that is mm-hmm. the, the grassroots form of how we can help each other. Um, yeah rather than like this top down because honestly the top down that's where it feels like this pressure is coming from right so like who's gonna tell us like okay we are going to be um abusing you and at the same time trying to help you feel better about it um just there just that itself is just makes me want to roll my eyes um but when it's coming from someone i trust someone i care about that's completely different I think good mentors who have been through it and who are willing to, you know, show you the ropes and who are willing to be kind about it have really made a difference for me. Like they're mm-hmm. willing to be honest and they're willing to teach me shortcuts to how to, you know, make my life more manageable and how to have expectations for myself. Um, that's been the most helpful thing. So reach out, like go to the, you know, it was weird for me, but go talk to a counselor uh go talk to a therapist and you might be surprised yeah same way good caring mentors and allowing the conversation to happen right and that it's okay to seek treatment if you need it well thank you and that's all the time we're going to have for tonight's edition of let's get psyched today we talked about the mental health of med students and what causes stress and what to do Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi, Dr. DM Wen, and Dr. Edgar Ortega. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can listen to past episodes on Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. This episode was recorded in our respective homes and then mixed by our producer at KUCR, Elliot Fong. So special thanks go out to him. 
I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. <music>